I want to start with a little bit of history, okay? On September the 2nd, 1666, a small fire broke out in a bakery shop in London, England. It burned for four days. It consumed 80%. Can you get that? 80% of the city. 13,000 buildings and homes wiped out. And it earned the name, the Great Fire of London. The devastation was so sweeping, the city literally had to rethink how it could be better prepared for such a large-scale disaster. So they implemented a series of new laws. One law required that homes have a certain number of buckets and ladders. Another law required residents of homes to participate in hand-to-hand bucket brigades with water if a fire broke out. Then there was another new law passed that allowed for the incorporation of an entirely new kind of business that could underwrite property and provide financial compensation in the case of damage or loss. Anybody know what kind of a company that was? Insurance company. It was called the Insurance Office for Houses, established in 1681, insuring over 5,000 homes. So don't ever say you didn't learn anything going to church. Okay, the need for insurance arose from the human need for security because we live in a world where fires start, accidents happen, and where illnesses strike, and sometimes out of the blue suddenly. So there's something in every one of us that longs for, that needs, that craves security that needs to know we're safe. And the issue in a few minutes is, where do you get that, all right? We live in this sort of safety-first kind of culture. We want safe homes to inhabit, safe cars to drive, safe foods to eat. I recently saw an advertisement for protective safety hats for infants once they're old enough to crawl. You can actually buy these in the store. Maybe we have a picture on your screen. Yep, and if you buy one of those, we have people who will pray for you after the service. Now, we're not talking about somebody had surgery. We're just talking about people going crazy. Now, while we've learned a lot about how to be more physically safe, how to protect our bodies, I don't think we understand what makes your soul safe. Your soul is the deepest, most important part of who you are. And one of your soul's most fundamental needs is that need to be secure, the need to be safe, to know you are safe. So the writer of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So our soul needs an anchor. It needs something firm and secure on which it can stand and thrive no matter what's going on in the world. In the book of Genesis, we discover we are made to find our security in a God who provides. So your soul is hardwired and designed by God to find security and safety in a God who will provide. God didn't just create you and then send you out on your merry way. He provided us a place to live, food to eat, beauty to enjoy. He provided us with relationships so we could experience love and intimacy He provided us work so we could have a break from love and intimacy. I mean, you can't stay home and kiss all day, can you? Come on. We, We are made to find security in a God who provides. 
In fact, if you look closely at how God created us, you'll find God actually stops Adam and he points our attention to how well he's providing for us. This is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 29. And God says, see, Adam, I have given you every plant producing seed and every tree for food. The word see, God uses, is the Hebrew word henna, H-I-N-N-E-H. And it sort of breaks up the story. And God says, when he says see, it means wait, stop, check us out. You have to see what I'm doing. Now, that expression gets used over and over and over everywhere in Scripture. God is drawing our attention or our eyes to some way in which He wants to provide for us to give us soul security. When Noah and his family had been on the ark for a year, I'm I'm thinking about people shut in with homeschool, people shut in confinement. I'm thinking, I got to be on a boat for a year with all these animals and my family. If you do a 14-day quarantine in your home, I'll be on drugs. We'll probably need a divorce attorney. 14 days in a hotel room at your expense. I think people just read the Bible. They don't think about it. You think somebody might want to go out for some fresh air? (laughs) No, no, we're church. We don't think. Okay, well, whatever. All right. So they're on a ark for a whole year. In Genesis 8, God says, Noah, remove the covering of the ark, and there's that word henna, and the surface of the ground was dry. It's as if to say, hey, Noah, don't you see? Don't you see now God is providing for you? You can get out of that dumb ark and walk on some ground. Or when Abraham's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God stops him. And in Genesis 22, verse 13, it says, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw. There's that word henna again. In other words, God says, check this out, Abraham. And he saw a ram caught by its horns. That's going to be the sacrifice. As if to say, Abraham, don't you see? Don't you see I am providing? And that is the first place in the Bible where God's redemptive name, Jehovah Jireh, occurs as he provides a sacrifice for Isaac, which would point to his ultimate sacrifice on the cross for you and I. So God is providing for you, Abraham. This is why the act of gratitude, the practice of gratitude, is so good for the soul. Because God is always saying, hey, look, pay attention. Don't you see how I am providing for you? I just wonder, maybe this week passed, even if it's been a tough week, even if there's a lot going on, maybe a lot of difficulty, a lot of things you could complain about. I wonder where God right now might be drawing your attention to how, in some way, he's provided for you. Like when you finally got that job, or when you were accepted into that school, or once she finally said yes to that first date. Your soul is made to fully depend on a God who provides. So from the very beginning, God has been saying, hey, look, see, don't you see? So that raises a question for all of us. Why then do we feel so insecure? so unsafe? Why then do we experience so much panic and and anxiety and insecurity in our lives? Let the news media say something. People fall apart like a a bad sweater. They just go to pieces. Wait a minute. Don't panic. 
had a guy ask me this past week, he said, how come you never seem, in the years I've been in Summit, you never seem stressed, you never seem to panic, you never seem uh, anxious about no matter what's going on. I said, my soul's secure. My soul's secure. You ain't going to upset me. I don't care what CNN says. I don't care what uh, Fox says. I don't care what you say. I, I've got a secure soul. I was flying out of London on a DC-10 years ago, and a DC-10 had crashed up in, I may get this wrong, Sioux, uh, South Dakota, no, it was Sioux, Sioux Falls somewhere. It crashed. It was on Time Magazine. All the magazines had the picture of the fireball. One of the turbine blades had cut the hydraulic lines, and the pilots had never experienced this before, and they're trying to steer it left and right by cutting power to left engine, increasing power to the right engine, and doing the very best they could to make a crash landing, a fireball. Many, many people lost their lives, and some people survived. So the lady next to me has got that magazine, Time, and she says, I wonder where the safest place to sit on this airplane is. And I guess under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I just said, next to me, ma'am, next to me. I'm on assignment. I am, my soul is secure. My dad's got this thing. I'm not worried about it. Even if, what if it goes down? I'm with him. What if it doesn't go down? I'm fine. I'm going to go to sleep. You can stay there and panic. And some of you are so fearful, you can't, you can't enjoy life. And after COVID, it'll be something else. What is going to make your soul secure? You see, where is it? We're going to find out when the storms come. When, you know, when people talk about insecurity in our day, it usually refers to self. We say a person might have a poor self-image, poor self-esteem. But the real source of insecurity is not a function of self. It's a function of the soul. And again, the Genesis story helps us in getting a little bit of clarity as to why this is. In spite of the fact God provided for our needs, that he blessed us, that he said, hey, don't you see all the ways I'm providing, Adam? He didn't fully trust God. And he stepped out on our own as man and wife. We stepped out to try to provide for ourselves. We wanted to be like God, as Satan said. In other words, I want to be able to control my life, provide for myself, and bring security for myself. But you don't gain security when you do that. You lose it. And that's what happened to Adam. He lost it. It's really, really crucial to see how that first sin affected and damaged our soul. Listen to what Adam says to God after he broke that first sin. That sin. He said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Doesn't sound like a very secure person to me. He doesn't sound like a guy with a secure soul. And that's the first recorded instance of anxiety. I heard you coming, and then these thoughts went through my head. What are you going to do when you find me? How, how might my life be in danger when you find me? In other words, Adam's freaking out. He's anxious. He's insecure. Anybody in this room or watching online ever feel anxious about your life? I know worry and anxiety can be a significant burden for a few, and for some, it can be uh, an isolated case of brain chemistry, a chemical lack, and it can be helped with good counseling and some medication. But the roots of our anxiety go way back to the loss of soul security. God, I heard you coming, and instead of feeling peace about it, I felt anxious about it. I'm not secure. This moment was also the first recorded instance of fear. Fear enters our world, and fear 
is such a normal part of everyday life now, which makes it so easy to gloss over. How strange that must have sounded to God. God's been nothing but good. He's, been, he's done nothing but be generous. He's done nothing but bless and provide and be good. And now his creation is afraid of him? That must be crazy. But that's what sin does. It breaks the soul. It introduces this toxic fear into our soul. This fear we live in all the time. Always being afraid of what might come in our lives can be traced back to the loss of soul security. This is the moment in the story It's also the first recorded instance of insecurity. Why was the man afraid? Well, he said, because he was naked. Now, the irony is nothing's changed about Adam externally. He was naked before. What's changed is not his appearance. What's changed is his soul. His soul now experiences life through the lens of what he lacks, of what he isn't through the lens of what he feels is missing, through the lens of where he feels vulnerable, through the lens of where he feels exposed. I have a good friend who is incredibly gifted, just incredibly hate you smart. And yet time after time, he is comparing himself to others. And when he does, he can only see his life through the lens of what he lacks. See, there's this nagging insecurity and frustration and even some resentment that comes from that. Ever look at the world through the lens of what you think you lack? Well, from time to time, we probably all do it. And it creates this nagging, gnawing insecurity about who we are, about ourselves. And I know insecurity is a complex issue. It can come from a lot of different sources and experiences in life, lots of kinds of pain. But the deepest root of your insecurity is when you start seeing the world through the lens of where we may not measure up, what we may lack. All of that gets traced back to the loss of soul security. So we get anxiety. We have fear. We have insecurity. Aren't you feeling glad you came to church today? (laughs) But this is real. This is real stuff. It's alive and well in your soul even now. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That's the human condition in the world, hiding, self-protecting, grasping for security through anything but God. And many, many people do it in a lot of ways. There are so many places we go to find security in life. Just a few to walk through kind of remind you and me about ourselves. Number one, control. We love to feel like we're in control. We get a lot of security, a lot of safety when we feel like we can control the outcome. You know, let me pause a minute and say, I would wrestle with that some, not intensely, but some, because if my wife, if my children, if my grandchildren have a problem, old daddy, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll make it better. And if I can't make it better, I feel terrible because it's out of my control. Anybody but me ever wrestle with that? I can't fix it. Now I don't feel so secure. There are some things you can't fix. There are some people you can't help. And you have to deal with that. But control would be one of the ways I feel secure. We, can, we feel like we can control our career trajectory. We confront and control other people. That gives us a sense of security that comes from pursuing control. Well, that's one way we try to feel secure. How about reputation or appearance? It feels so much safer when we think other people think highly of us. And that can be based on what you do. 
That can be based on where you live, what's your zip code. It can be based on your clothes, how your kids are doing in school or in sports. It can even be based on your spiritual reputation. Sometimes in churches, we sort of get this sense that we'll be safer, we'll be more secure if people think we're doing better than we actually are. So we end up putting on facade and this sort of an appearance of we're doing okay, and it provides us a sense of safety. The third area is financial security or the pursuit of comfort. We live in a comfort-addicted society. And by the way, you'll never get a miracle and you'll never change in your comfort zone. I have never had it happen to me. Anytime God did something wonderful to me, it was painful. Oh, I know you're fine. I see you guys look like nightlights just glowing in the dark out there. Yeah. I saw a post on social media this past week. It had a for rent sign over a very small three-bedroom house in Los Angeles. And the asking price was $10,500 a month to rent that sucker because it's in Beverly Hills. And people will drive from the other zip codes into the Beverly Hills zip code to post their letters. So you'll think they're doing so good. That's the stupid, stupid world in which we live. See, the pressure, what I want to say on my house is paid for. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the zip code. Forget the neighborhood. Forget square footage. I want to see paid for. That's what I like. Yeah. See, the pressure is just not, could I afford to live in a place like that? For me, no. But the pressure point is, can I build up a life that other people will see and envy? That would, that would feel safe to me. That would make me feel secure. If other people think I'm doing so well, if I have enough control, if I have enough appearance, if I'm hot, if I'm buff, if I have enough security and comfort, I'll finally feel secure. But that is not the truth. And all you got to do is watch your celebrities and watch your sports stars and watch people go down like a rock in the water when the storms hit. Obviously, there's something missing in their life. And they all say that at some point. What is it I'm looking for? Your soul is looking for security. And it can never be found. God made it that way. It can never be found in your zip code or your bank account or your toys. Nothing wrong with your toys unless that's your security. Because they will pass away in a storm. And I've never met anybody in a storm who cared about their toys. You've got a, a child with cancer or a child, all of a sudden, I don't care about a second home. I don't care how much money I've got stored up. I don't care how expensive cars or toys that I might own. I don't care about that at all. And that's exactly what happens when you find out your soul isn't secure. Those things didn't provide what you thought. I know you're hot and you're buff, but talk to me when you're 80. We'll see where the wrinkles are. Let's see what gravity does. Let's see what a little wear and tear about life does. I'm telling you, even the Bible says it'll fade like the grass withereth in San Antonio in the summer. It will. Now, Jesus once told a story of somebody who spent their days focused on securing their future by storing up wealth and resources, control, appearance, comfort, reputation. And there's this fascinating moment when that person tries to convince his own soul that his scheming, his plans have worked. And this is in Luke 12, verse 19. 
And this guy says, I will say to my soul, soul, you want a gold medal. Soul, you have lots of goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, we're all trying to convince our souls that our schemes for providing security and for our lives are working. So you got all this wealth. So you've got an established career. So you've made a name for yourself, salesman of the year. So you've earned that great job title. So your life is now envied by other people. So you won a gold medal. So you've gotten your kids into Harvard. So you can now finally rest and feel secure. But here's the thing. It's not possible to convince your soul that's true. You can convince your mind to believe this thought. It's possible to convince your will to make choices based on that thought. It's possible to feed your appetites of your body so you build up powerful habits that reinforce your desire for that kind of security. But you can never convince your soul. Why? Because God fixed it that way because your soul was made for God and nothing else can fix it. Your soul was made to find its security ultimately in God. And it won't settle for anything else. And not only that, we put our souls in danger when we settle for anything but God. Because I can lose all that other stuff. You, the divorce can, can put you back, the death of a child, the death of a spouse. Your own personal health can go down the tubes. You know, it's, it's just so, we're so fragile. Which is why Jesus' response to this rich guy, he's not against rich people. He's against this guy. He says, you fool. Do you realize what you've done? This very night, your soul will be demanded of you. In other words, Sparky, there's a storm coming. And when it does, where are you going to take refuge? Where will you hide? And all the times I visited hospitals, not once did anybody pull me aside to brag about their resume. Not once did I get called into a room so they could talk about how they could enhance their reputation. Because when the storms come, for those of you that have faced great difficulty or pain in your life, you know when the storms come, your soul will come face to face with that need for a real refuge, the need for real security. So my question for all of us is simply, where will your soul go? Where will your soul find refuge? Where will you hide then? Jesus was traveling with the disciples one time across that, that uh, lake of Galilee, and a dangerous and unexpected storm blew in and threatened to sink the boat and destroy their lives. And just as a side note, anybody remember what Jesus happened to be doing, doing that storm? Laying down in the boat asleep. Yep. He didn't even take anything. He just went to sleep. He had a secure soul, which is what I didn't know about me when that lady asked that question so many years ago. That was soul security when I told her, I've never gotten on a plane and felt like, oh my God, I hope this guy's rated. I hope he's got good hours. I hope he didn't graduate last in his class in pilot training. <laughs> I don't sit around worrying, uh, you know, am I going to get COVID? Am I going to get a Delta variant or whatever? Some of you are so freaked out. If I do, I do. If I do, I'll get treatment. If I die, I'll be with Jesus. If I don't, I'm secure. He's got me from top to bottom. He's got my soul is secure. I'm safe. I've never... I'm not living in fear. I don't call my neighbors and, what do you think? Well, I heard, and I heard, and I heard, and I heard. But you haven't heard God. Your soul will not find security in anything but the sovereignty of God who loves you, died for you, and said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I got you, Rick. I got you. And we 
have plenty of times to freak out. And I'm sure we'll have more in the future. You too. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to fall apart. And, and I've got 34, 35 years here to prove it. I'm simply saying to you, I've seen all kinds of disasters, but it doesn't work. I, I find I've just got peace in my heart that if God began something, he'll finish it. If God made a promise, even if you're 100 years old, it'll come to pass. God will orchestrate everything for my good and his glory. And yeah, one day I will leave the earth, and so will you. I don't know when it is. I'm certainly not going to sit around sucking my thumb worrying about when am I going to leave. No, I want to know where I'm going. I don't care about leaving. I am going to leave, but I'm going to leave in the will of God, period. So if I get sick, I'll get sick, and I'll get well, or I won't get sick at all. Or if I get sick and finally do die, I'm going to heaven. So what the flip are you so worried about? Why? If God hasn't ordained for you as a believer to come be with him, you ain't going anywhere. Chill. Quit getting a wedgie and quit buying new masks. Calm down. Get your soul secured. See, I, I, that storm will tell me where your security is ultimately. It will. All right. And this is a world filled with trauma. I don't get upset about it. What if you get stuck in another country? What if? I don't know. Talk to God. What if? I don't know. I'll do what I can do with what I have to do it with and trust God. I'm secure. If Jesus could sleep in a storm, I ought to be able to not have to drug myself to sleep. And by the way, I don't. Okay. Don't even take melatonin. Some of you don't even know what that is. Oh, it's a high-powered opioid. No, it isn't. <laughs> it helps you sleep. Are y'all okay? I try to make church kind of interesting. Cut it out, okay? Wake up and be real. I want to be fully at peace, no matter what the storm is. Even with the chaos of the world storming around him, Jesus was at peace. But the disciples were terrified. Have you seen what they said on Fox News? Have you seen what the guy on CNN said? Have you seen what the mayor said? Have you seen what whoever, whatever you think said? In those moments, the things that you had your security in drift away. See, we don't really notice those things. So they wake up Jesus. He gets up. He rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves. He calms the storm. Then he looks at them and says, okay, boys, where's your faith? The security of your soul hinges on that one question. Where is your faith? Is it in you? Is it in your talent? Is it in your job title? Is it in your zip code? Is it in your 401k? Is it in your tax bracket? Sometimes we get so busy in life, we get into our safe routines and our lives sort of go on cruise control and we stop hearing that question. We stop hearing the one question on which the security of our soul depends. Where is your faith? In what is your faith? That is the most important question you can ask. And it depends on that one question, one simple question. Where is your faith? Right now. In what? And if you had to answer that question, in what? You, you never know what this day or this week or this month will bring. You don't know. I don't know. You never know what storm's going to come. Then where will your soul be? It's interesting. One of the most common ways God is described in the Bible is a place of refuge, a hiding place. Psalms 119 says, you, O God, are my hiding place and my shield. Yeah. Psalms 27 Verse 5 says, for he, God, will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. Now, let's be clear. These 
Psalms were not written by people who had safe, comfortable, easy lives. They were penned by people who faced the threat of death and danger every day through foreign attack, sickness, thieves, drought, and persecution. Every day was a matter of life and death, yet these psalms or songs were all about the safety, the security, the mighty fortress, and the refuge of God. So our question is simply, how can we make that our song in a dangerous world where we're always tempted to run and hide from God instead of hiding in God? How do we make these songs of finding our hiding place in Him, our refuge, our song? couple of thoughts and we're done. Number one, resist compromise. Resist compromise. Now, why would I start there? Well, the reason is that the primary way we try to protect ourselves from pain or uncertainty is by compromising on what we know God wants us to do. And in those moments, compromise feels safer. See, when we're faced with financial uncertainty, it seems safer to misuse or hoard my resources than trust God. See, when faced with loneliness or a relationship problem, it's safer to be lustful or to act sexually. When there are consequences for telling the truth, it seems safer to be deceitful or manipulative. But those little steps of trying to protect ourselves, of trying to be safe, actually don't bring you soul security at all. They rob you of it. I wonder where that hits home for you or me. It's not that we don't know what to do. (laughs) We just choose not to do it because it feels risky to be obedient, to be faithful, to trust God. But Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 19, interesting, by standing firm, you will win your souls. That's interesting language. By standing firm, you will win your souls. In other words, if you follow me, if you do what I say, even if it sounds risky, your soul will rest in a security you never thought possible. The things never once the things that you've had, you put your trust in, they never gave that to you. I'll give that to you. So obedience to God doesn't earn God's grace, but it secures you in it. It anchors your soul. So when we think about all of life and all that's going on in our lives, just in terms of percentages, what percent of your life, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, your pursuits, do you think God's calling you to entrust him? It ain't a trick question, folks. A hundred percent. God's calling you to entrust everything to him. The situation at work, the stuff going on in marriage, our our family, and and all of the things you're thinking about. And it's so much easier to take a step of compromise than to trust God. He said, I'm 100%. Now, those of you who feel like, well, Rick, that's kind of scary. Anxiety's kind of welling up in my spirit at the moment. Let's do one more percentage. When we entrust ourselves fully and faithfully to Jesus to do what he said, what is the percent? What is the chance that Jesus is going to be faithful to me. 100%. That's soul security. That's what he provides. You know, uh, this this isn't happening right now, but if I had a financial uh, setback, I'm a tither and a giver since I was 18 years old. I'm going to stand firm in my soul because I've been obedient to what God said for all of these years, I don't need to say how many, all of these years, and my soul is totally secure. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, it'll be okay. And it's always been okay. And we've had news come from all kinds of places, even for the church in the years we've been here. And I've said, 
It'll, God will make a way. You just watch. God will do what he said because we did what God said. God will do what he said. And sure enough, it might be frightening. It might look uncertain. He's always there. He's always come through, which only strengthens my soul security. And secondly, we need to step out of our comfort zone. Now, that may sound a little counterintuitive, but this gets at the heart of what Jesus said over and over. So much of what we typically define as comfort-producing, comfort-protecting, things like storing up treasure on earth or putting our own success above our neighbor or colleagues. Jesus said time and time again, that way of life is actually dangerous for your soul, Rick. On the other hand, so much of what we think of as comfort-risking, things like forgive your enemies, give sacrificially even when you feel like you don't have a lot to spare. Over and over, Jesus says, that's actually the safe way to live. That's safe for your soul. It's better security. You need to step into it. You don't drift into this. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's deliberate. And so right now, in your life, in some way, God may be calling you to step out of your comfort zone. It's not to put your soul at risk ever. It's to bring your soul the kind of security it needs. It might be to serve. It might be to pray. It might be to have a hard conversation with someone. It might be to stop and really listen to somebody. It might involve your money or resources. I don't know exactly what God's calling you to do, but I can tell you if your primary motivation in life is what is the most comfortable way to build my life, you are actually putting your soul at risk. And the truth is, our God isn't a very safe God. He is dangerous, He's mighty, He's holy, He's redemptive. God is building a church, but it's not a safe church. It's a church where people like you and me are called to risk our safety to put sin in danger. That's the church. We're called to risk our safety to put sin in danger. We are here to put greed at risk, injustice at risk, loneliness at risk, poverty at risk, evil at risk. But Jesus never asked you to put your soul at risk. He asked you to give your life to put sin at risk. It's the safest thing you can do with your soul. Kind of reminds me of that well-known moment in the Chronicles of Narion. Do you remember that, Narnania? When Lucy asked if Asa, I said it wrong, if Asa the lion is safe. And they said, who said anything about safe? Of course he's not, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that's Jesus, our king, who came down from heaven, who stepped out of his comfort zone, who faced great danger without compromise. Then there on the cross, you can hear the echo of the henna of God saying to all of us, don't you see? Don't you see, people? I'm giving up my soul for the security of yours because he always provides. He's always good. That means the only place that's truly safe for your soul isn't a place. It's a person. Is Jesus, and you can anchor your soul to him today. Jesus doesn't say there won't be storms. There will. He promised us. Jesus doesn't promise you will always feel safe, but he promises you can have an anchor, an eternal anchor in every storm for your soul. His love, his life, his grace, his provision, his death for your soul, so your soul could be secured forever, which means with him and him alone, I can finally and forever always feel safe. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.